Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Y'all, new edition here, Try Beginner's Luck. I'm cheesing so hard if you're watching this on YouTube because I am just really, really, really excited about this guest. She is the rock star of all rock stars in the tri space. When you see her, you're just like, she's so damn cool. And I just want to be like her. And I don't usually, you know, come with the explicitives, but today it's like, there was no other better word for that. She is the coolest, friendliest, you see her in a race and you do silly stuff like take a picture with your mouth wide open and she joins you. She's a six-time Ironman champion, 12-time Ironman 70.3 champion, four-time wildfire champion, and escape from Alcatraz champion in 2013. She's embarking on her new try beginner's luck journey in gravel. If you don't know who I'm talking about already, it's Heather Jackson. Heather Jackson, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. Unmute. There we go. <laughs> oh my god, you are too kind. That was too nice of an intro, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you again since classes. <laughs> it's like you're magnetic with your energy. And even when you're racing, even in person, people feel that. I'm just gonna come out and just say how what is it that causes you to be so magnetic in your personality and your racing and and just steady all the time? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Seriously, you're too kind. Um I don't oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, seriously. Um for me, I think it's just uh I think it's just a love. I a love of what I get to do and, and a gratitude of what I get to do. I mean, I get to race triathlon and now race um, gravel racing and some ultra trail running as a career, as something that, um, you know, has kind of been not granted to me, but like, this is an opportunity for me. This is a, it's a privilege to get to do this. And for me, it's when I get to, um, a race and get to just meet everyone else out there and, and share courses with people. And, um, I guess ultimately inspire others, um, to try to do the same. It's yeah. I'm just, I, I've always come from a place of just gratitude to, to be where I am. And so, um, and that's a credit to so many people. I mean, from day one, my parents, um, just everyone that who helped raise me, my grandparents, all the way up to coaches that have helped me, my husband in the last 10, 15 years, just, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to be there and out there. And, and yeah, I think it's just this, um, general, I guess, mindset of like, we get to do this. We get to go to sporting events. We get to share experiences with each other. And I mean, let's make them the best they can be. Let's be positive. Let's be, you know, uplifting. And, and so I'm always, yeah, trying to just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you hit it. It's a place of gratitude and we get to do this. I say it so often. Trying is a privilege. True. And no matter at what level you are, the ability to swim, which is dangerous, bike, which could be dangerous, and running, which is just hard. You know, it's all one of those things that it's a privilege because there's so many people who don't get that opportunity. And so I can see now just that gratitude, it overflows to others. And so just keep that going, like just keep it going. Speaking of, you chose this as a career, you are a slouch, Heather. Come on, Princeton. Hello. <laughs> politics okay <laughs> and you know you went to school on a d1 uh ice hockey like rock star come on you were you knew you were a rock star from the beginning so going to school d1 and being on the ice hockey team competing at a high level to the point of uh being scouted to perhaps be on the olympic team and you making a turn to triathlon 
how did that really happen? Yeah, that, um, so the transfer from ice hockey, I, I grew up, I'm from New Hampshire originally. I grew up playing ice hockey, ice hockey and soccer, I would say were my two primary sports growing up. Um, but ice hockey, I found myself again, just so grateful for all that that sport provided me. I was able to go to one of the best universities in, in our country. And that was, that was purely straight up because of ice hockey. So, <laughs> I mean, that was like, a true, you know, a dream come true to be able to go to such a, a school um, because of that and just have the experiences I had with my hockey teammates and and competing at a very high level. Um, I was trying for the 2006 Olympics um, in Torino, the Winter Games, and I didn't make the final team that went. Um, and that was kind of, it coincided with my senior year of college. And so after that, for women's ice hockey at the time, there was really there wasn't much after that in terms of playing post-collegiately. And so I went home to New Hampshire and it was at home trying to figure out my next move um, when my parents had decided with a couple of their friends, they wanted to check out one of the local triathlons. And I was like, I, I don't think I even knew what it was at the time. I, I kind of knew there were a couple different sports within the race, but um, yeah, I went with my parents who, uh, it was called race to the face, just a local sprint triathlon in New Hampshire. And it was literally probably the first sport I had done. That was an individual, um, effort. It was an individual, like you're testing yourself. How fast can I go coming from just an entire childhood and, and high school and collegiate career of, of team sports. So I was addicted immediately because it was the first time it was a race for myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I finished it. And I was like, Oh my God, there was so much I could have done better. And it was that immediate, like addiction to, I can improve. I should have done this. I can do this better. And yeah, I was hooked immediately just from that first local sprint. <laughs> okay. So let's unpack that because again, this is try beginner's luck. So we like to talk about your first race ever. <laughs> Walk us through that morning getting to transition, setting up the swim, the bike, the run, the transitions. Tell us about your first experience. <laughs> okay. Well, actually to be, to be fair on this first one I did, it wasn't swim, bike, run. It was, we biked. Um, I think it was 12 miles from, um, I remember it started in this parking lot. We biked through this trail. It was kind of a mountain bikey gravel roady, to this little pond that was at the base of one of the ski mountains in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And you basically dropped your bike and had to swim. I want to say it was only like 700 yards or something across this pond. And then you got your running shoes on the other side of the pond and you ran up uh, the ski mountain, kind of the main trail, I guess the main under that main chairlift. Um, so I did, it was, yeah, setting up the transitions, like, but it was just a, a little bit of a different order because we had to drop the swim gear uh, at the start at one side of the pond, drop your run gear at one side and then go down the road to where the race actually started. So I remember early. Yeah, it was so long ago now that I, I think about it, but I still remember just like the excitement of like, oh, my God, like this adventure is coming up. I remember in my early days as a triathlete, I always. I still didn't, I think grasp the sport itself as the swim bike run as one it was like every time every time it was this adventure it's like here we go we're gonna swim in this crazy place bike over you know whatever the course was hills different terrain different areas and then same with the run it was more just this like fun adventure and I still remember that from early days of like okay and those are some of my best memories of just it's about having fun and about getting over this crazy, yeah, course with three different disciplines to do. <laughs> but you're not a stranger to adventure. <laughs> no, I love I I love it. I don't know where that came from. I mean, I think growing up, just being from a super small town, um, kind of just a very small community that you know everyone, and it's this, yeah, that there was this massive world out there 
that I had always been just, yeah, I wanted to go see and experience in any way I could. So <laughs> I love it. So thank you, parents. Hundred percent parents for uh introducing Heather Jackson uh, <laughs> to this sport. So you did your first race. You decided where you could make your strengths and adjustments. So your second race, what distance was that? And how did you make the adjustments? Did you get a coach? Like, how did you know to tweak and what to tweak to in, in order to improve? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I got a coach immediately. I think I found another, I want to say I signed up for a half Ironman at the time. Well, no, I think they still had it recently. It was called Timberman 70.3, but, um, up in New Hampshire, they don't have it anymore. Now, again, it's kind of come back and forth a couple of times, but, um, I think I just went home and like researched, you know, local, triathlons, probably just a basic search. And then I do remember early on, um, like I used to get triathlete magazine and I would like go online and look for the, you know, the online training plans. And I think I early on, I just followed one of those to be perfectly honest. Online training plans work coaches, just put them out there online. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a basic layout that, you know, you're just starting out and just to have that structure and, have the different key days for each of the three sports. It kind of lays that out for you. And I think you're just getting into it. For me, it was like, okay, perfect. Today, this is what I need to do. And it gave that structure. So it, it's, yeah, it was this progressive um, structured week towards the next one. Um, that was really early on, I would say, because eventually um, I ended up getting a job. This was after graduation, teaching out in, San Jose, California area. Um, and so this would have been a couple months. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I always like forget the timeline of <laughs> events in that time frame of my life, but I drove cross country with my sister to start this teaching job that I got in September. And somewhere in there is where I found, I had looked up online, the local, um, training groups in the San Jose area. So that was, I think my next step as a beginner of like, okay, I'm moving to a new area. Um, and I want to find, yeah, just the local, local training groups. <laughs> Thank you. You were like textbook beginner. I'm here for it. <laughs> Searching for your local group, finding your people, getting into a rhythm while you're teaching in San Jose. So <laughs> You're, you've gotten connected. So when did you know that, Hey, this could be a thing for me? Um, so I get connected. I think I was, I was still young. I was 23, maybe 24. I was just out of college. Um, I get connected with the local group and, um, local swimming masters groups. I'm going to the master's swims every morning going to the there were Tuesday track workouts with the tri club and um, there was a coach there um, his name is Muddy Waters he kind of ran that group and I asked him to start coaching me um, and I think I raced that first year that would have been 2008 heading in yeah 2008 as an age grouper and um I had qualified for Kona as an age grouper at which race was it? I forget now. I think Ironman Lake Placid, or I might've gotten a slot at Oceanside 70.3 in April, which Oceanside used to give out um, slots to Kona a long time ago, actually. So it was either one of those. And I went to Kona that, that year, um, 2008 as an age grouper. So I raced as yeah, the 18 to 24 age group. And I would say, like, I would look at my times after races and compare them to the front ladies and look at the pros and what they were doing. And, um, I could not swim period. I was getting out of the water, like so far back, like literally my bike would be one of the last ones in transition. <laughs> so the swim I knew 
had a long way to go, but I had the biking legs from ice hockey. And so I think that's what kind of gave me confidence of like, okay, all is not lost. Like you're not a, you're not a good swimmer, but you can bike. And then my run was okay at the time. So it was this like opportunity of so much improvement is possible basically in my head. And so that just really like, yeah, kept the motivation going to try to find these improvements. Um, and I would, to your question, I think when I really was like, wow, I could give this a go was not until I met my now husband, Wadi, which happened that year. I was still an age grouper. Um, and he came out on one of the, those local group rides, um, in San Jose, he was up there for work and came out and we met and, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't start dating until the following year, 2009, but we stayed in touch. Um, he had been in the industry for a long time, was kind of just like helping me out. And he's like, why don't you give this a go? Like you, I really believe you could, you could do something great. And he was the first one that really believed in me and really just said, you could always go back to teaching if you wanted, um, give it a go. If it doesn't work out, I mean, at least you can say you tried. And so that was kind of what gave me the the confidence to give it a go at that point. Right. Shout out to Wadi. Thank you so much yep. for putting <laughs> that word down and coming out on that little cycle ride. You know, you can find your tribe base. Like you, can, you know, get it with a group. You can find your tribe base. It's proven exactly. over and over again. You never but know who you're going to meet. <laughs> you never know. But your first year as an age grouper, like truly, you did go from zero to the top, right? Because <laughs> you you qualified for Kona your first year, like, you know, your first official year as an age grouper. You won your age group at Kona that year. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah. This, you, you, and so it's like you, all the signs were pointing, were pointing in the right direction. And what got you there was the teaching job in San Jose, Right. You know, because, True. you know, you taking that risk to go out to San Jose to teach, you can teach anywhere in America, but <sighs> San Jose to teach, it just opened the door for year round racing, you know, just preparing and it just opened the door for so much. So shout out to you and having that <sighs> first year. So what made you decide that long course was for you versus sprints and Olympics, perhaps? Um, that's a good question. I think, well, when I first got into the sport, what I always watched was the Kona coverage in those first, you know, college 2006, 2007, 2008, I would always watch the NBC coverage at the end of the year of the Kona race and just was in, in, inspired by it in awe of those athletes. I knew Kona, um, I obviously didn't grow up swimming. So for me, I think the ITU path and kind of those short, drafting Olympic races was not going to really be my forte necessarily. Um, early on though, I still, although I raced a lot of half Ironmans, um, I didn't actually step up to the Ironman distance for a few years, but I was still doing a lot of the sprints, um, sprint local sprints and Olympic distance races where we were, I was, had moved at that point down to San Diego to be with Wadi. And there was a, a number of like the local, like the Encinitas sprint try, the Solana beach sprint try. Um, there was one down in Coronado. Like they, they had a, a great kind of sprint and Olympic local series. And I would still do those, um, every weekend just as training, but also just practice and getting out with the local community and doing those fun short distance events. So I, I would highly recommend, yeah using those, especially any in your area, just it's amazing practice. They're fun. People come out for them. And, um, so yeah, I was doing those early on. Shout out to Heather Jackson for supporting local, supporting <laughs> local race directors, people like that's how it feeds into greater and bigger races is supporting those local races where you can hone your craft and, and really kind of develop. And, you know, to your point, Heather, you said you did the research you know, you started, you know, saw how people were, the trajectory was projecting for those who were finishing at a certain level and you just use that to your advantage. So I'm here for that. <laughs> you turned pro in 2009. What was that like? 
that was um yeah that was an interesting time because I also I had put my notice in to stop teaching um so that ended in May May June 2009 um fortunately with the teaching job it was like a year-round salary type setup and so I was still the the year ran from September through the the next summer technically because it obviously like the teaching year so I was still going to get a paycheck June, June, July, and August, even though the teaching was done in May. So I knew I had like three months of like, I was still going to be getting whatever a biweekly somewhat, it was not like a big amount, but it was going to get me through three more months. So I kind of had that time frame of like, okay, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jumping off the ledge. Um, and yeah, I turned pro and it was like, I also, to be fair, I had Wadi support. I mean, he, I would not be where I am today without him. He you know, had a roof over our heads and was paying the rent. And um, even though at that point, he also actually quit his job at the time. And so we were both kind of taking this big leap. Um, he had some savings as well, not not a ton. So we were both kind of like, you know, do not do or die, but it was like, okay, we got to try to make this work um, together. But we also knew we had each other and we were happy and it was like, okay, let's, let's give it a go and see. And I do remember those first couple of years, like 2010, 2011, it was like, I would go and I think I got a couple like fourth places or fifth places. And at the time it was maybe two grand or three grand for, for fourth place at some of these. And I'm like, Oh my God, three grand. Perfect. That's like two months rent. Like we're good. <laughs> It's the little things, right? And, um, you know, as you're telling your story and you're weaving in you and Wadi, I feel like I need to have you guys back on, right? To, <laughs> to kind of talk about your love story. But it's really important to see, hear the support and how he supported you. And then you got, you were grateful for $2,000 for two months rent. I don't even know where $2,000 will get you any month's rent. I know. In 2023 20, today. <laughs> So the fact that you were able to experience that and, you know, I'm sure while racing, you know, sometimes you had to, cause that wasn't the beginning phases where it wasn't probably as, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's not as, uh, the sponsorships probably weren't as massive as they are now for you. And so you really had to plan, you had to budget. And so I'm sure that was a stressor when you were trying to race. How did you remain um, calm and still race to the best of your ability with stressors of maybe uh, a, a financial stressors, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I do remember, and I, I share this as an example, just because um, I remember, again, full credit to Wadi for always like trying to take that stress off of me by saying like, we're not doing like we are doing this for the money in the sense that it's a career path. And obviously we have to make money somehow, but at the same time, when it came down to race day, he was always like any, any time I was going to a race, like, Oh my gosh, I could maybe make money here. Like the field isn't as, as deep or this, this course is going to be perfect for me. I think I could do well at this one. Like anytime we went in with that mindset ahead of it, it always backfired. I had the worst races I've ever had. When you take that off and you're not racing for that, you're racing truly to like test yourself, to have fun, to be out there in that place of gratitude that I mentioned earlier, that is when I would get the best races out of myself. So um, I think it was always clearing that from the mind free race of like, yes, it is my job. And that's ideally a good day. will will present, you know, another couple months rent for us, but not going in with that being the purpose was a huge, huge thing for me and my racing, um, mentality and just, yeah, pre-race. So that was always and Wadi was so good at taking that off. Like even on the days when I didn't do well and I walked away with nothing and we had actually cost money to go to these events, it was like, it's okay we're fine. We're still fine. We have each other and having that, like, yeah, the importance of things beyond the sport of like, what is truly important, your family, your friends, like this is sport and always having that mentality of like, can we get to do this? If it works out as a career, great. That would be awesome. But not putting that kind of like stress and 
focus on it. That's interesting that you say that. That's something that um, in the acting slash modeling world that we had to kind of go through when you're going for auditions. If you needed it, you couldn't show that you needed it because it will come across in your audition or in your pictures that they were doing um, test shoots. And That's so it's the same principle. It's like you couldn't be so hungry that you didn't, you weren't in the moment. Right, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Like what is at, at hand ahead is the racing, not like the outside factors. Like you have to be focused fully on your performance. Yeah, okay, so we're focused fully. <laughs> you've, had a, you've had a journey, I mean, and you can let me know if I'm pressing too deep or not, but I think this is speaking to the risk of just trying beginner's luck, right? And trying different things. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you and your husband ended up going into business and had this wild, cool, like brand, right? And so what was that for you? Because that was like a baby that kind of did not end the way you would have hoped for. So do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, that was like, yeah. So my, I, I mean, again, that was all credit to my husband, Wadi. Um, he is, yeah, he has always been like my, I don't know what the word is, like not caretaker that comes up wrong, but he does everything for me. My bikes, my, like, like anything race related, like supporting me sag on big days, everything. Um, but for him, it was like, he had started out um, after he left his job, like I mentioned earlier, he wanted to kind of help out professional athletes. We had a lot of friends, obviously, in the sport, and he was friends with a lot of the pros. And um, what he felt was lacking in triathlon was happening in cycling and some other sports that he had been a part of. So in terms of marketing and really like how you can bring um, value to partners and how you can like establish those relationships, market yourself and work on that side of things. So that is why, again, I was so lucky to have him as a personal supporter and partner, but also the marketing genius that he is for myself and early on some of these other athletes. He helped a lot of, um, yeah, still current professional triathletes out in those early days of like, okay, let's market and how can we do this differently and stand out? Well, everyone had the same kind of looking kits at the time that people were racing in. And so he's like, we have to like create kind of like the rock racing and cycling, but in triathlon, like, how can you stand out? How can you, if you line up 10 athletes in a row, how are you going to, yeah, be the one that maybe a sponsor wants to, to work with? So it started out as just design. He's very artistic, designing cool kits for some of the athletes that he was helping, pitching it to these sponsors saying, you know, these athletes are going to stand out. They're going to leave their mark. They're going to, you know, people will notice them on the race course. And then that turned into kind of this following of age groupers who were like, can we get those kits? Can we get those hats and tees? Um, and it started this like, yeah, people wanted to, to, wear the same things we were racing in, uh, meaning a couple of the pros on course. And so it just, yeah, early on, um, we started this team that just was going to race in the same kits we were in. And it started very grassroots, um, small, and it just, it was crazy. We, we were and continue to be blown away by the support we received just of people who are like, that's so sick. We want to be a part of it. And it grew into this team and, um, yeah, the brand ended up like we ended up finding a partner at the time who ended up is the partner that we had a falling out with, um, once when COVID hit. Um, but yeah, it turned into a full-blown, um, kit business, making triathlon kits, triathlon apparel, clothing, everything. And, um, we had the team as well that we were primarily running um, in the sport of triathlon. So it was it was cool because it gave like he was running that full thing coincided with kind of my journey in the sport. And it it was just beneficial on like both sides because like he has this group he's running, this team, this company, this clothing brand he's building. Um, I was able to race and I 
I had the support of that team on course. Like I had all these athletes cheering for me and racing in the same kit. And as a professional out there, when it's such like an individual sport and you need to be pushing as hard as you can, I would felt lifted by so many of these athletes who were supporting us cheering on course, uh, wearing the same kit I was in. So it was, it was, yeah, amazing. It was this kind of symbiotic thing that just, I attribute that team and all the athletes on it and everyone who has supported Wadi and I to a lot of the, I guess, success I had in triathlon, um, just having that support from everyone. So yeah. Sean <laughs> is a risk taker and I appreciate the way he thinks and capitalizes on opportunities that are um, that were a need at that moment, but not just that, but you built a community <sighs> and triathlon is about community, right? And so when you have your people, that's what should happen on a race course. Yes, it's individual, but it's also an opportunity to uplift people while you're out on the course, even though you're racing. And so you did that and you're still doing that in just new capacities now, but you You've, you're, you're doing that. And I think that speaks volumes to both who you both are collectively as partners. Like you guys are uh, built to build a community around you. And it comes so effortlessly because of like the sense selflessness of it all. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. I, I really do. I really do appreciate that. And I attribute uh, so much of that to, I mean, that's Wadi. It, like he is literally, it's crazy. I mean, he's taught me so much on that and just, and not just purposely teaching me that that's just how he is. And so it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's so selfless and caring and kind and yeah, it's. I feel like you got to get Wadi on here, you know, I like, know. <laughs> Wadi is dominating the conversation, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on getting Wadi on here. He, he will never come on these or like, he hates photos. He hates, yeah, he just. It never likes to be any sort of upfront. <laughs> I try. We'll figure out a way. I'm persuasive. Yeah. I'm persuasive. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we said it here first on Child Beginners. Like, we'll we're we'll figure out a way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, your style is aggressive, right? And so many would uh I won't say criticize you for your style, but it just didn't match the style of a long distance uh endurance racer. So right. what would you say to that? And how would you encourage someone who may have a similar style to keep going when their coaches are trying to change that style? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think... think... <laughs> see what I do. <laughs> so good. For me, I think it's always been like, you have to be who you are anytime you're, you try to be something else. I mean, I think it's very it will come off very clearly as inauthentic and not, I, yeah, it's, I, I guess my advice or my, my note on that would just be, just be who you are. I mean, it's, it's so important in this world to just, yeah, be able to ex express. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not speaking clearly on it, but it's yeah. Be who you are. I mean, and don't be afraid to be that no matter what, especially in this world today, I mean, so much social media, everything's out there. Everything is constantly being judged. There's photos there's every second of every day you could find new photos. And hopefully those come off as like inspirational to be yourself versus like, oh, I should be this way or that way because other people are. It's like, don't be afraid to just be who you are at your at your core. Hashtag wisdom, be who you are at your core, no matter what, like coaches are there to guide you, but your style and who you are is what's going to get you to the finish line and get you to ultimately that victory. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't listen to their intuition enough, <clears throat> like listen to your gut. I mean, if you're struggling against something or some advice, or if you have a workout you're supposed to do, and you just know that it's not like either going to be useful or just go with your gut. I mean, so many times you don't listen to it and 
you look can look back and be like, oh, I should have just, I knew, I knew deep down, but I just pushed that little bit more. Or I did the, like, I did this when I shouldn't have, or yeah, just trust your intuition. <laughs> Damn. Speaking of trusting your intuition, it's race season. Racing, I'm sure you've had the highs and the lows. Let's talk about some of the the low moments and how did you deal with the low moments of racing at a high level? Ooh, yeah. Um, it's definitely tough, especially racing at a high level where you put so much into one day, um, into whether it's one Ironman or, I mean, most, most years of my career, I would focus on one Ironman prior to Kona, like an, a Lake Placid and put everything towards that day, um, before s- switching that same mindset towards Kona a few months later. And so it's, you put everything towards something and everyone does that when they set a goal, if whatever race you sign up for, you're all in for this one event coming up and you're doing everything you can to focus on that and be as ready and at the, your absolute best for that one day. And so when it doesn't go well, um, yeah, it can be heartbreaking. It's like, wow, that was a waste of the last seven months or it's so easy to go there of like, and that's why I guess, I don't know if it comes with age, my my time in the sport, it's really about for me now, like every single day is this gift to be working towards a goal. So I have this hard workout that's going to help me get ready for that goal. My ultimate goal is, is X, say uh, for an example, Kona, like that is the goal, but I need to be enjoying today. Like this very moment, this workout I get to do right now, because this is life that you are living every single day. And for so many years, my life was about one day in October and that was my whole year. And all of a sudden, eight years of my life has gone by. And it's like, I have these moments I remember, but now I'm just living more and more in the moment of you need to enjoy, it's cliche, enjoy the journey. But it's so important because it's not about that race day itself. It's about right now, like that workout you're going to do in the morning with your swim group, that those miles you'll run later with friends or um, on your own, whatever it might be, but enjoying those efforts you're putting in and, and that part of working towards a goal versus that day, um, that could go either way. And to the question of the highs and the lows, like the days that go bad, it's, or not as you would have liked are, um, yeah, they're so tough. It's kind of this, I mean, Kona this year, I had a tough one. I got sick on the, the flight over. Um, and I just, yeah, I had a, not a solid race day and it was, devastating. It was like, wow, this is not what I had planned the year about. But that being said, I was able to look back on some of the memories. I did a lot of my training with Paula Finley, who one of my good friends. And those moments, I'll remember those workouts I did with her, chasing her on the bike, doing mile reps with her and Eric um, running with him. Um, we did this crazy run up Mount Bachelor. I mean, these are the moments I'll remember despite that one race not going well. So you need to have those moments on the way towards the goal you're working towards. I think that's, that's fair. And I think (laughs) we do get, sometimes you can get lost in the journey because of that one moment. And that one moment doesn't define you. It's just that one moment. And so thank you for sharing that. Now, going to the high, the mountaintop experiences, tell us about what those feel like. You know, when you, you've won the race, the overall champion of a race, what is that like? And how do you ground yourself so that you can then make it repeatable for the next race? Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I mean, the highs are obviously incredible and that's what we're chasing. Like for me, I mean, being that the first one down a finish shoot where you're running towards the the finishing tape and you know, you get to break it right now. And, um, yeah, that's incredible. That's what you chase. And there were a few times early on where like, 
I was just sprinting down the chute, not, not taking it in, not thinking about that and not appreciating every second, just because I was already on to the next thing. Um, and so I think, yeah, definitely celebrating those highs, but also knowing, um, similar to the lows. I mean, it's just a moment. It doesn't define you. It's not all of a sudden you're, yeah, this different person at the end of the day, you're, we're all still human. We're still the same people, no matter if we lose or we win. So breaking the tape, it's, I think it's important to celebrate and it's great. You've worked towards that goal and accomplished it, but it also is like, it doesn't change who you are and you're not, yeah, suddenly on this high mountaintop above others or any different. It's like, it's a result at a race on that one day. So just keeping that in mind and moving towards the next one, because even winning a race or having a good race, hitting your goals, there were probably other things still there that you're like, Oh, I could have done that better. (laughs) So using it as a learning experience. Speaking to that point, and I know I'm not going to say all triathletes do this, but a lot of triathletes that I know do this. They'll have a good race and still point out I know what they could have done differently. What what is your solution to help people not do that? Yeah, I know. I I know I do it too. I try to I I feel like I got better later on the last few years of like yeah, enjoy how the race went. I mean, even if it wasn't perfect to to your liking or what you wanted to execute, I'm sure there were still a ton of things you you did amazingly out there on course and celebrate that and like be in the moment of, okay, this race just happened. Like that was epic. So many people were out there cheering. Great to share the course with others versus, yeah, I feel like so many people right after go to that, like, oh, should have done this. So I think, I don't know if there's a solution besides just being like, you know what? I don't care how the day is going to go, the race, like afterwards, I'm going to be like, okay, that's what I came for. That was great. And live in that before, okay, give yourself 24 hours and then you can sit down and be like, okay, here's where I could have improved. <laughs> um. So those of you who are listening, chill out 24 hours, give yourself yeah. a break. And then talk about it, but just get yeah. it. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Okay. This year, or technically in 2022, we're in 20. Yeah, we're in 2023. I know. Oh, it's moving so fast. Seriously. Um, you decided to switch gears yourself. Tell us about this new adventure that you're on. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have started um, participating, I guess, in <laughs> some other disciplines beyond triathlon. I mean, um, I worked in a couple of gravel events last year, gravel races, so off-road, just bike racing, and then I've now um, done two ultra trail runs, um, in the last, I guess, three or four months. So for me, it was not, um, not that I was over Ironman. I I mean, I love it. That's triathlon and Ironman has given me so much in my life and memories and friends and that will remain friends long beyond my career. Um, it was just, I felt like I was in kind of this not stale, stagnant, I guess, point in my career where it was, I just felt like I was on repeat. I've been doing the same thing, same races, same prep every year. Um, yeah, since I don't even, yeah, 10 years now. I mean, it, it was, I got to this point where I wasn't getting kind of this new stimulus of like a new challenge. Like I know I could go race an Ironman tomorrow. I've done it for so long. Um, that I think COVID really played a part in that, where it was like your whole life is based around one day of the year. And all of a sudden those races were canceled and you didn't, we didn't even know for how long that they would come back or would it happen again? Um, which is what happened in 20, not only 2020, obviously can't everything canceled, but 2021 when Kona got canceled again, I think that was really the nail in the coffin for me of like, 
okay, my year was based around this one day and it's canceled again, a month out, they canceled it. So like, I felt like I had wasted a couple of years of not trying some of these things I had really just wanted to try. I mean, I was excited by them. I follow them. I followed some of these gravel events, gravel racers. I follow a lot of the ultra trail runners at some of these bigger races, Western States and UTMB. And, um, yeah, I kind of didn't know what I was. I mean, we have this new kind of tagline we've been using called, what are you waiting for? Um, just because I didn't know what I was waiting for. Why wasn't I just trying them? I mean, yeah, it was one of those moments where it was like, what's holding me back. I mean, so finally, yeah, jumped all in. (laughs) And it's a cool jump in because it's like, Hey, I made the segue and you did it. You People were able to follow your journey through social media. So it was like we were a part of your journey, but ultimately you have to do the work, right? We just get to watch and, you know, from the sidelines. <laughs> I appreciate <But> what- you watching. <laughs> so the euphoria that you get now, because you've tried something new, you hear, you, of course, you know, the alliteration of try and try beginners like, and I think what you just said is the reason why I started this podcast is not just to try beginners luck to do the three disciplines in one sport, but to literally try something different because you, one, don't know if you'll like it. And two, when you try something new, something inside you expands, the capacity to learn expands, the capacity to be outside of your culture expands. It it just, you grow as a person when you try something different, even if you don't like it, you've tried it. And so that's the impetus of, kind of why I tried this and you are just literally nailing it down for me. And I appreciate you saying these things because I feel like they're so important. And because Ironman is easy for you. You can do it with your eyes closed and probably do it backwards. But now you're into new territory of gravel racing and ultra racing that presents new challenges. Take us through that of trying something different in this aspect that's causing you to like rethink and having to like readjust some of your possible norms that you already have. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, to your listeners, I mean, trying like how I feel right now in some of these new events is, is how probably someone who is just going to try a try feels like that excitement, that nervousness, that like all the excitement and everything that comes with the, the, yeah, the attempt of something new that you've never done and all the things that are going to come from that. And like you said, like you could either love it or hate it, but until you try it, you won't know. So maybe you do try one and it's not, you're like, eh, you know, deep down, eh, it was okay, but I don't really love it. Or you just fall completely in love with it. And I didn't know with these either. It was like, I had been watching them. They looked cool, but you never know. And so for me, it was like, okay, I hopped, in some of the gravel events last year and to one specifically unbound, which is a 200 mile gravel race in Kansas. That one literally was just like, yeah, re, I guess, excited me and re-motivated me and re-inspired me within sport and my athletic career, because it felt to me like the first time I went to Kona, um, back in, I don't even know, 10, 10, 12 years ago, it was this really grassroots, um, feeling tiny, small town, everyone was out cheering. Everyone was like, Oh my God, you're here for the race. Like, so just, yeah, it was that grassroots excitement similar to like those local sprints and Olympics I used to do in the small town communities. I mean, it was, and that was inspiring. It was, um, new. I was petrified on the start line. I didn't even know like how, how do you even approach a 200 mile gravel race? I mean, is it all out from the gun? How, yeah, it was these new things I had never experienced. So for me, that is, yeah, was the, the kind of like, wow, I have new things I need to work on and practice and try. And I was hooked immediately, um, with just having those new challenges, I guess. New challenges. So what is next then? Okay. You're in this space. What is, what are your new goals? with gravel and ultra running? Um, well, (laughs) I have some big goals this year, (laughs) whether those are premature or not, but, uh, 
I mean, I, the big goal for me for gravel is unbound again. Just, I think that that race, I fell in love with it last year. Um, I think the distance and the type of course it is, is something that excites me and is something that I could really just, yeah, try to do well at that one. And so that one is June 3rd. Um, there's a new, well, it's in the second year, but there's a full gravel series that, um, it's called the lifetime grand prix and it's seven events and you had to apply to get in <clears throat> and I was able to get an entry. So I'm one of, uh, 30 women in the 30 women and 30 men in this series. So it's seven races throughout the year. So I'm participating in that overall series and, um, unbound is one of those seven races. So that's kind of my gravel race schedule plus, plus a couple others, but within that series unbound is my main primary goal. I'm targeting kind of like I target Kona every year, um, on the gravel side. And then I just recently confirmed, uh, my starting spot at Western States, 100 mile race, which is kind of like the Kona of ultra trail. So those are the two big, big events in June. (laughs) Well, yes, that, (laughs) wow. Like, okay. Yes. I'm excited for you. Let me hype down a bit. (laughs) Cause I hear that Western States is one of the most prestigious 100 milers in the United States. And so what an amazing, uh, place and venue it's like you replaced Kona with two other major events which also brings the spotlight to those to that race to those races that's what I want to say to those races and so I just love how you are just moving forward and doing things um only the way Heather Jackson could that's it only the way you could now let's talk about your adorable pup Stevie oh yes he steals the show everywhere is he still napping? Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't want to wake him up then. Okay, I could, but... We'll wake him be. up at the end so that everyone can see him at the end. Okay. You started a whole Instagram page for him. You are like, how do you manage your celebrity? Oh, to be dog? fair, to be fair, Wadi runs that. So all those posts that are hilarious, that is all him. <laughs> Wadi, I need you to hear this. If you yeah. listen, I can have you on the podcast and we can do cameras off, but we got to make this happen. We got to make this happen. Okay. No, he's so funny. In December, I was like, I went to the, I think I went to the pool. I went somewhere for training and I came home. I'm like, what have you been up to? And he's like, oh, I've just been working. And then I went on Instagram and there was like a new Stevie reel that was like this rap video. (laughs) Like, How long did that take you? (laughs) He's just a creative a budding creative who um is just using his <laughs> gifts and talents i'm yeah I'm getting him yeah. on what i say comes to to life so you tell him what okay. i say okay yes it's <laughs> all in here i am not editing this out perfect wow heather you are a rock star and i think you mentioned that when you talked about like when you guys were designing your um the kits mm-hmm. How can someone get to your level of cool? Like, wh- how do you maintain cool? Like, because you are always fly. Like, no matter what you're doing, you just, you do it in such a way. So the people want to know, how do we get <laughs> Heather Jackson cool status? Let us know. Oh my God, you are too kind. Seriously. <laughs> no, but it's real. Like, we had like a little text chain in our group. They're like, we just want to know how we can be cool like Heather Jackson. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, everyone's cool. You're just, yeah, just everyone be yourself. That's cool. Uh, that's such a lame <laughs> answer, but fine. We'll take it. Cause she's not going to tell like, we need to go get like pixie cuts, you know, <laughs> cool, wild. or for me, in my case, have a good Afro, get your Afro shape. Yeah, you, you know? cool. I'm not wearing my wig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, to be fair. Well, one, my husband, again, Dr. Wadi is cool. And so he's very stylish and he's always like, Oh, you should wear this or that. This is cute. Like he's so stylish. So I got any style from him a hundred percent. 
Um, I also love pink. And so I always am like, okay, what is pink wearing? What is she like? What is she looking like? So I I will also give her credit here. Have you ever met pink? Her one day. No. Oh, you I... haven't met her. <laughs> let, me, let me call some people. Hey, pink, what's up? I need you to meet my girl. I got you. I got you. Hook me up. <laughs> that happen. We're going to make that happen. Wow. You are like, um, and that's interesting, you know, like from a tri-celebrity to a rock star celebrity, like that has to be a meeting. I, I believe that will be like, yeah. That, I wouldn't be able to talk. I would just be like. <laughs> kind of like how I was when we first started. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> just me. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right we're going off the rails here but this is so good give me words of wisdom for someone who is listening to this who hasn't made the step to want to try what would you say to them right now what are you waiting for <laughs> ah, that... <laughs> no seriously that's I mean I, I know why people don't try something because of fear and you're, you're scared of something or you're nervous about something. And it's, I think identifying that like, okay, why am I not trying this or that? And usually that will point to a fear of something and then approaching that fear of like, not anxiety and nerves and scared of it, but being like, this is an opportunity for me to conquer this. Um, this is an opportunity to, yeah, get over something that I'm, that scares me or, um, yeah, to, I guess, shift the mindset of what it is that's holding you back and try to see it as this opportunity to do, do the opposite, to, to overcome it. Wait for nothing. Let's make it happen, y'all. Let's try. Let's do something different. It's time. It's 2023. We've been through so much you know, collectively and what yeah. better way to come out of that quote unquote fear world that we were in to exploring the new possibilities of challenging yourself to doing something very different. So let's make it happen. Heather, we got rapid fire questions. Are All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> What's your favorite pretty woman scene? Ooh, when she's in the tub with the headphones on singing Prince. <laughs> I know that's your favorite movie. So I was like, let me see what her favorite scene is. Um, you have a lot of cool tattoos. Do you have traditions around getting tattoos? Um, usually the tattoos I have have come from like a, an event or something that's happened in my life. So like the first one I got, I have um, eight sparrows across my chest and it was my Nana passed. She basically helped raise me. And so she's closest to my, to my heart. And then my, my data, my grandpa who has now passed as well is flying next to her. And then my parents and my siblings and Wadi, they're all representative in the sparrows. Um, and so that was one of my first ones. Um, and then, so every, um, to your point, everyone has kind of a, a, significant event that was like okay how can I represent this I always kind of stick to the same theme I have a tattoo artist in San Diego I always use Brad um and his I guess one of his strengths is East Asian art or just yeah certain style and so I, I've stuck to that so all my tattoos are kind of similar but they all represent something um when it happens in my life so so you say Wadi does everything for you. And I'm going to try to see if this works. I've been trying to workshop this question. Okay. What is a Heather Jackson hack? Like when something goes wrong, you know how to just like fix it. If it's out on the race course or whatever it is, give us one of your hacks of life. Hey, okay. Like if a race is going race or like just general, I guess, right. Race and life. It's like, let's do both. If you have both. Hmm. I mean, my big thing I go to in races is, uh, is always that place of gratitude that we get to do this. And I try to think of, um, I have some actually like pretty morbid thoughts of like, 
just friends. I have a couple of friends who have passed some really young friends who got cancer and, and have passed. And it's like, um, do it for them. I mean, if they were still here, they would give anything to be out here and be able to do this. And you're just like, your legs hurt because you were biking too hard or you pushed this hill too hard and you think you're in pain. Like, come on. I mean, so I think I always have some, some mental tricks like that. That's more racing and can be kind of morbid and negative, I guess. But it also, I mean, it junk, it jump starts you to life of like, come on, like we get to do this. We're out on a race course. Like there's so many worse things you could be, you know, sick in a hospital right now. Like at the end of the day, just cause you're not having the race you wanted, or you think you're not going fast enough right now, or, you know, you had a bad swim when you get out of the water, like, come on, keep, let's, let's keep a reality check. <laughs> right. Um, favorite pink song. Ooh, that is tough. <laughs> okay. You can give me your top three. <laughs> Um, I like a lot of her like very early on ones, like um her first album even, um, like most girls or um and not Animal House, what's that? There's one that I always use on my treadmill runs. Um, just like fire. Um I just started listening to her new album that she just released like a couple days ago, so <laughs> There's some good ones on there. I haven't listened to it, so I guess I gotta uh, check that out. Yeah, she just and she just released tour dates, so so looks like trying to see how that fits. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to see how that fits into the schedule. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny because you and Pink resemble a little bit, so you guys can be you can go as Pink for Halloween. Have you ever done that? Not officially, but I need to for sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that could be it. We should make that happen. What does Heather Jackson eat for breakfast? Like, what did what did give us a day in the life of race food for you? Okay. Uh, well, race is a little bit different. Um, like race day, race day mornings, I don't eat too too much. I'll have like a couple slices of usually sourdough bread with some peanut butter or even just like light jelly on it. So not much, just like basic, basic carbs. And that's just kind of to soak up, um, <clears throat> soak up a lot of liquid. Cause I take in a lot of, even though we aren't even racing yet for breakfast, I'll have like two bottles of, um, sport drink with high yeah, calories and it already like, I don't know. 50 or 60 grams of carbs already. I mean, basically like my bottles on the bike already. And that's just mostly to have liquid nutrition. So I don't have anything like jumbling around in my stomach. So that's where I get those breakfast calories from. So maybe a couple pieces of peanut butter toast just to soak that up. But I try to like have my stomach fully emptied, um, for race day. And then in the race, I use mostly just liquid and, um, gels for calories and carbs and electrolytes. Um, so that's different than, I mean, my day to day, usually in the mornings I'll have like overnight oats or like granola and fruit, some strawberries and blueberries on top, banana. Um, if I'm really on it, which I bring up cause I just did it the other day, I'll make a batch of those superhero muffins that I don't know if you've ever seen Shalane Flanagan. She's a professional runner. Um, she has a cookbook, but they're called superhero muffins. They're online now too, not just in the book, but there's probably 12 different types. There's like blueberry beet, there's carrot apple, um, banana nut. There's all these types of, it's like almond flour, oats. It's like a healthy version of, yeah. And she calls them her superhero muffins. So they're pretty good. (laughs) Now post-workout food, like when the race is over, what does Heather like have to have and chow down on? (sighs) usually pizza I think pizza I feel like that's my go-to <laughs> I think the, I think the people are happy with the pizza choice <laughs> to know that they're not eating pizza alone after a race and um what's your new favorite podcast Ooh, definitely try beginner's luck hey. <laughs> and final question 
do you pee on the bike or take a pop of pee break? <laughs> I definitely go on the bike. <laughs> That's my girl. Thank you so much, Heather Jackson. This has been a blast. Y'all, there's not much more I can say. Heather has said, look, try, try. What are you waiting for? Get out there and do it. Because whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. I'm LaShonda and we're out. Peace. <laughs>